Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of Coffee Hour with Tom DeSico. I am your host, Tom DeSico. Today we sit down and talk to Josh Pavano, a friend of mine, a friend that I did not know three months ago, and thanks to the power of the internet, I now consider one of my best. So I hope you enjoy some of Josh's stories and uh, his personality. He's a, he's a great guy, and I'm really looking forward to it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode two. Well, um, allow me to first say I'm happy that you got a cup of coffee to, uh, I don't know, participate in the kitschiness of the podcast. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And it's not like we're doing it at like 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. That's a great mug. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually a legit company that like produces power tools and lasers. Trump? Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, Are you ready to go, man? Yeah, sure. Cool beans. Uh, so let me let me just start by saying um, I have you on here because the people that I bring on to the show are people that um, I've learned from, I like, encourage me, and I appreciate. And uh, it's it's I look up to. So uh, the things that you've done, not only on YouTube. But prior to the things that like I've learned along the way that you've done, I want to talk about some of that stuff with you and have you tell kind of like the story of how you got to exactly this point in your life. Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, introduce yourself to the people that don't know who you are and uh, then we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, cool. Well, first of all, thank you. I listened to the first podcast intro, so I was more aware of what was going on on the podcast, but I'm Josh Pavano. I'm currently a YouTuber full-time, and you could find me at youtube.com slash Josh Pavano. Early shout-out. But um, yeah, I, I didn't always make videos. I mostly was on the corporate ladder, like climbing my way through school, and then kind of got derailed by nonprofit work in the most awesome way possible. And so, yeah, it kind of led me to do video work, but I'm sure we'll get into all that and but yeah, that's me. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's cool to see that the, you're willing and able to go, I am a full-time YouTuber. I just started Whoa. doing that. And <laughs> it, it's, it's a weird thing to say because like, I actually have, I'm not, this isn't about me, but I have a video coming up and it's, uh, my most feared question or yeah. a question I hate. And it's when you're in passing with people and they say, so what do you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just started saying I'm a YouTuber too, because I don't have anything else to say when you're unemployed. It's, it's, I actually like the idea of saying I'm a YouTuber rather than, Oh, I, I don't have a job. So. Yeah. Isn't it worse though? It's almost so in some ways it's, like, I mean, I think it's like, like if it was on a scale of one to a hundred, like not having a job is the worst thing to say at a zero. And then I'm a YouTuber is, is number one. Only if you don't have a ton of followers and like you don't make money from it. I well, that's the but, thing. Yeah. It's it's one of the only job paths that I feel like the immediate follow up question is how much money do you make? Yeah. Like if somebody's like, "I'm a lawyer," you wouldn't go, "How much money do you make?" Like that's right. insanely I'm a rude. I'm a YouTuber, how much money do you make? And you know what we should do? We should just start freaking out. Like that's none of your business. That's a really rude question to ask. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. 
so like you said, prior to uh, pursuing YouTube full time, you were a world traveler, but you had other jobs. Um, what were some of the jobs yeah. that led you up to being a YouTuber? Yeah, I have like the worst resume to submit to a company of all time because I've never stayed at a place longer than two years. So, and I'm, I'm almost 30. So, I mean, that's 10 years of, that's at least five jobs, right? So like six jobs. I've, I've held a ton of startup uh, jobs and positions. Some cool ones I've done. I worked for a startup company that was originally like a social media aggregator, meaning it would take, like if your favorite famous person was Tom DeSico, and you wanted to see all of his socials in one space, it, you could go there and it would show you all of your socials. And it ended up becoming a college music tour company. So our first group was, not a group, it was, it was Kendrick Lamar and Steve Aoki were the first two people on the tour. And I just kind of came in on a short-term basis to do finance stuff for them. But it was pretty cool because I was doing like budgeting and accounting for flotation devices that Steve Aoki was using to to crowd surf in. So that was fun. <laughs> and like but um yeah, I start, I also did I also worked at Travelers Insurance like right when I graduated. I went to Boston College and got my economics degree. Like I did my good little student thing. School always came easy, so I uh, just kind of kept going. And then I went to Travelers Insurance because it was in my home state. Did that for two years, got bored, went back and got my MBA. During my MBA, we had to do this consulting abroad program. Um, so I w went to Rwanda and I worked with this lady to help her basically get her banana wine to be internationally uh, like accepted or, or up to international standards because a lot of times they'll reuse glasses and stuff there and then like they need specific labels to ship internationally. So helping them do that. And I just kind of fell in love with that part of Africa, as most, I guess, people do, because you, it's such a culture shock. And I came back, and I was working at that startup that I had just mentioned, and I was like, I can start something. I can do this. So I started a company called Jonas Umbrellas. The basic premise was limited edition umbrellas that fund clean water wells in Uganda for schools. So, yeah, it was... Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And, and the whole idea was that there was this special pattern that was drawn by an artist underneath the canopy of the umbrella. All the umbrellas were numbered. So the first batch was 10500. So you could be Tom DeSico number 23 and go on our website, register your umbrella. And then you knew exactly where your money went because that specific batch funded a specific school's well in Uganda. So we ended up funding two wells in three years, which was freaking fantastic because selling umbrellas is not an easy thing to do which i didn't know in the beginning <laughs> sure um yeah and then i decided to i'm kind of going on here but oh can i, I can i stop you at the umbrellas i'm gonna like, yeah yeah your brain yeah. about it a little bit yeah um was it just you that started the startup like that is like your business yeah yeah I, no one else i had a lot of people wanting to help along the way and did help i had i think I think I counted at one point at, throughout the three years that I was doing it. Like, it's still technically a company. It still functions. Sure. Um, but uh, I had 12 interns from, mm -hmm. like, college age mostly, one high school student. I had an office, actually, at one point. And, yeah, it was full-fledged, like, on. Like, we made money. Right? It made money. Um, it just – I had to give a lot away 
and my margins weren't great. And it was just a lot of work for me to make a lot of money to give it all away. I got burnt out really quick. Sure. Um, doing that. And I was solo. I could never get anyone to really go full on board with me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I entered some competitions and almost got some pretty large funding. Actually, someone wanted to give me a hundred thousand dollars to grow it, but I, I think intelligently looked at him and said, I have no idea what I would do with a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? I don't scale like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't have the know, the wherewithal to make that work. So, so I looked him in the face and I was like, maybe in the future, but I don't know how to do that. So. It's 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 strange to see that you still have what was like a thriving business alive and well, and you still choose YouTube over this potential thriving business. This is just me, yeah. outsider looking. No, in yeah, on. yeah, no. I think that that comes down to passion, right? Like I absolutely love giving back and that will get into like why I started doing video in the first place but I absolutely love giving back it's something that completely changed my life I was on this path of just chasing the money and I was doing a really good job of it and I hated my life like I actually got this job in California where I was making a ridiculous amount of money found out some things about the company that I didn't really like and I just yeah, I was having like little physical reactions, you know, I, I was, I had to go to the doctor, I had a rash, I was crying profusely all the time. And I was pretty high up in this small, medium sized company. And yeah, it just, it, I just, in that moment, I realized how unhappy I was. And I had started the Jonas about a year before that, but I was doing consulting work to keep it afloat. Uh, because I was, it was completely self-funded. Actually, the the most the thing that I'm most proud about Jonas is that we did fund two wells, and we gave it's like over three thousand students alone clean water. But they had the local villages had access to that. So, I mean, it could be somewhere between five to ten thousand people got clean water because of this stuff because of what everyone did for the company. I I always say that it had nothing to do with me. It's just everyone else believing in the cause and really going for it. So. Um, but the other thing that I'm super proud of is that I never, not one time was that never, not one time was the company in debt. Like to this day, I never spent more money than we made. And to me, that's absolutely freaking insane. Seeing as that we gave away so much. Yeah. That's incredible. It's really cool. Um, Yeah. It was started on a Kickstarter. So I made like 11 grand or 10 grand on a Kickstarter. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, I didn't hit my goal. My goal was some ridiculous amount, you know, but it was, we sold like friggin' 250 umbrellas. So this is the insane part is that the umbrellas cost like $60. And so like to sell an umbrella for $60 is absolutely absurd. People looked at me like you're a freaking nut job. And I had to do it because I just didn't understand the factory side of it at that point. I didn't understand how to get my margins lower. I had like middlemen and all this stuff to get in customs and whatever. So I had a really expensive product. And so I had to sell a really expensive product and I did, which was amazing. Do you think at this point, knowing the two sided question, knowing at this point a little bit more about, about like the manufacturing side um, that you do well. And on top of that, knowing a little bit more about the social, um, the social push that you can have that if you were to really like, 
kickstart this again not not physically on kickstarter but yeah you know have influencers and people that like this might be a viable option for you yeah no i've definitely thought about re-engaging my efforts i guess is the best way to put it i mean it's still there because it was being kept afloat by corporations coming to me and saying we want to do corporate events and we want umbrellas for a corporate event so that's kind of how it was kept afloat Mm -hmm. Because the to consumer, the business to consumer side of it was just a pain in the butt, man. Sure, like the mailing system, and I mean, I was doing all the mailing out of my house. I had umbrellas stacked in like all over the damn place, and uh, yeah, it was insane. It was like a full startup in the sense that it just I had no. It was just me doing just doing it, you That's know. Really cool, and like, I can, yeah, I can and appreciate so, like that passion to to do something good. Yeah, and it was insane. Like the amount of. I always say that if you want to start a good business, just make sure that there's a give back model because it just helps you. It just helps your message. It helps everything that you do because people can get on board with that. And it, it comes across as not self-centered or selfish. And, and that's what you need for people to be like on board, yeah. you know? So it was, yeah, but I agree. I think that now I know so much, like I even have had gotten my, um, my product cost down something like 1400% or something. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so I could go back and start it all over again and, and do it, but maybe drop the I, umbrellas to like $55, like give somebody well, no, a break. No, like I got it down <laughs> to where we could probably sell them for like 29 bucks, which oh, that's I think killer. Would've, which would have, I mean, and still and made more money and given back more. It would have been like, we could have easily, I could have easily done that, but um, it just, yeah, it comes down to passion. Like you have, to, I really cared about fifty percent of that business. I care, I death, deathly, like to my absolute core, cared about giving kids water in Uganda and going and seeing like that impact was freaking nuts. Sure, but to say you care about selling umbrellas is just a lie. Yeah, like I, I don't even use umbrellas. Like that's <laughs> the dead truth of it. Like I'd rather get wet than the the whole hassle of using them. Now I understand that there's a large market that people do use them. And that's what I was trying to kind of get after was there's no other idea like this where it's, you can directly link a specific product. You know, it kind of came from this one for one model that Tom's really pioneered as the shoe company where you buy a shoe, you give a shoe. Well, my thought was like, that's great, but you bought a shoe. You don't know who, you know that they got it. I mean, I think they're credible enough now that you know that, the shoe did get given back, but you don't know where it went, who you helped. Sure. You know? So I kind of really wanted to create a situation where people felt connected so that they would want to do more because that's the whole idea, right? If you are funding one child somewhere, then you get to grow a relationship with them and you feel like you want to do more, you know? So if I was able to say, Hey, you 500 people who bought these umbrellas, funded this well at this school with these kids and this is a kid and this is a kid you did this specifically you know not anyone else who bought any other wells they did something else yeah um it creates a community it was insane this one this is just sorry a tangent but a really awesome story that i love sure is this uh girl found an umbrella on a subway system in in the metro and she was like this is weird this isn't you know it was a jonas umbrella and she went and emailed us and said, hey, I saw this umbrella. It has a number on it. It's really cool. I found your company. Your company's 
doing great stuff. I just want to know if you know who owns this umbrella, if you guys keep track of that. And the guy had actually registered his number, and I was able to look it up, give her the contact information. And I ended up meeting in a coffee shop to exchange this umbrella and just talk about stuff. And it was just that to me was like the epitome of that 50% of the business. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought you were going to be like, and they got married. Like I brought everyone says that. I, everyone <laughs> says that. No, I wish they You're got like, married. I brought no, them the guy. I actually think the guy was already married. Oh, well, that's a shame. Poor. <laughs> that's really good though. Uh, one last question about it. Um, yeah. Does Jonah's umbrellas come from anything? Like, did you name it specifically that for anything? Yeah, that was like my biggest. So people always tell you, don't worry about a logo. Don't worry about a name <laughs> because it's like, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just get the business out. Right. But that's so stupid because then people ask you this question every time you have I'm sorry, we can skip it. I'm no, 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 no. There is a reason. So, but, um, so there's this guy named Jonas Hannaway and he was supposedly the first person to, um, carry an umbrella, like in the more developed world, obviously umbrellas come from Egyptian, like they're very, like sun umbrellas have been around for ages and ages in, in Asian culture and Middle Eastern culture. But the guy who kind of pioneered it in English culture, which is the more traditional umbrella that we use now mm-hmm. is, uh, his name is Jonas Hannaway. And he was like kind of a weird inventor type, sort of like a Thomas Edison sort of dude. And he did a lot of give back stuff like maritime give back for, um, like sailors and whatnot in England. And he was ridiculed heavily for using umbrellas in the rain because it actually took business away from stagecoaches. This is the myth or whatever. So they'd throw rocks and stuff at him. And he was kind of like an outcast and, I kind of resonated with that story and felt like I'm breaking the mold as far as like an a MBA student with a finance degree would do, you know, I was breaking the mold and I felt connected to that. And yeah, so that's where the, the name came from. But hence I realized I probably could get sued by his relatives if they really wanted to. And I don't know if there's enough of a tie there, <laughs> but I like it. It's a good story. You shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't preface it with that. Uh, it's, this isn't good. Like this doesn't have any meaning. I'm like, Oh no. Like he just goes, this looks cool. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, there was some thought put into it, but in the end I was kind of like, it was just a weird thing. Cause people then would call me Jonas cause my name's Josh. So it's very close. Mm. It would cause lots of confusion. Sure. I like it though. Um, and it's funny. Like, uh, when I first found you, I instantly found the umbrella company and I was like, wow, like, this is this is pretty big time. Like this was a real thing. Um, and you yeah. said you're still you like you still have Jonas umbrellas. Yeah, it's still like it's still a functioning company, right? Um, it still like has expenses and. But I even entertained. So we entertained the deal. Well, I I say we because I like to feel more inclusive. Like it's not just me doing this. Sure. Um, because I do feel like I've had so much support from people that I just don't feel like I can say I. So I'm going to continue to say we. So we had this, um, do you know the Geneva Convention where they do like the health awareness, like so WHO, like World Health Organization. So they're holding a um, a huge convention on like waterborne illnesses in Geneva. And so they actually, we put in a bid for their corporate, like their event gift. And mm-hmm. we got pretty far in the proposal process, but then... I just think the whole what really set us over was the, the delivery costs. Like we had to ship it via train and all this stuff to get it directly to there, and it's a lot. Like a, you'd be surprised at how much 
umbrella way like it's it's, it's, you know it's it's heavy so yeah anyway yeah long story short it it failed through but yeah i mean i've kept it open because of the corporate side of it where i can still make an impact and i and i also haven't it's something that i haven't been able to give up yet it's so much a part of me i spent so much of my life and it's molded like i have this tattoo here is I have a tattoo on my, this is a podcast. Not a Thanks. Skype I was going to say, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So I have a tattoo on the right inside of my forearm. That is the coordinates of the first well we put in. So it's, I mean, that just shows you, and I never had a tattoo before that. And it just shows, it's just had such an impact on my life. And so I'm, I haven't been able to give it up yet. Mostly because of what you talked about earlier, which is, I know that in the end I could re engage this, but I just haven't yet. And sure. and mostly because I was just traveling around the world for two years. So that definitely put a halt on things. Dude, good segue. So let's talk about that. Like, <laughs> how, did you, how did you get into like doing exactly that, doing photography around the world and, and making uh, the videos that um, pretty much are, are launching your, your YouTube career as travel tips? Yeah. Um, so I guess the one thing that I wanted to do, oh, I had this idea to travel around the world. Um, one of my friends from grad school was like, Hey, I'm taking off for like six months to go around the world. And I was like, that sounds really sweet. I was in this really weird place in my life where Jonas had just gone through like a hard period of time and I was burnt out. I was tired. I had relationship problems. Like my life was just in probably the most, um, influx time it's ever been in. And he mentioned this and I just grasped onto it and like, wouldn't let it go that I was going to go do this too, but I was going to do it for a whole year and a half or whatever. It was 13 months was originally scheduled. 13 months in 36 countries was originally the game plan. I met my girlfriend, my now girlfriend like three months before. Well, not, we had known each other, but we hated each other for probably nine months before the three months. In. So it's <laughs> usually so, how it goes. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then the, the three months happened and I was like, are you coming with? And so then my plan changed quite a bit and we did end up traveling a bunch, but my whole goal while we traveled was to try to volunteer as much as possible. And it was a lot harder to do than I thought. And the video thing came from my friend BC Serna, who actually came with me on a Jonas Umbrellas trip. And the thing that kind of drew me to it was this idea that I could make a huge impact for a company in a very short period of time so the big thing about like giving back is you'll have a lot of like westernized cultures send over kids who are super privileged to go like volunteer help out for a week and it changes their life and they post all these instagram photos of like them with like a bunch of african children or asian children or whatever and it comes across as self-serving in a lot of ways it is because you aren't really making as much of an impact as you, sh- as you, as you, you know, could or would or should, you know, um, in that time period besides giving money. And no, I, and I don't want to knock that because I think that that gets a really hard kind of like negative connotation that we're, I think any giving back is a good giving back. Sure. Like I don't care how it is like in a, any capacity, if that inspires some kid to come back and, and whatever your motives are, I'm also kind of, mute to that too like even if your motives are self-serving if you're still giving back i'm you're pretty much okay with me like i don't i'll let it go you know so um i wanted to make an impact 
because I would go to these places and without the whole well projects thing, like I wanted to do other things as well. And I would go and do like finance consulting. And what I found was I'd create a budget or we'd do whatever. And then it looked all fine and good. And then we'd leave. And then in two months, it would all be shambles again because there was no one there to actually keep it up and run it. So the video thing, like I said, was kind of inspired by my friend BC Cerner, which I've never told him, but I'd love to uh, at some point tell him. And, and in that he would go around and travel and film for people and he would provide a piece of content that was impactful to their business and the fact that they could share it for years and years and to potential donors, to board members, to um, people who might want to volunteer, whatever it is, just to show their work and what they've been doing, highlighting them and what they do. And so that kind of got me, I picked up a camera, I hit up my other friend, Billy, who is an amazing kind of storyteller and filmmaker who does a lot of horror films, loves the horror genre. And uh, he was like, yeah, he gave me some tips and I was on my way, man. And then it was just YouTube tutorial after YouTube tutorial to try to learn how to video. And then it led me to travel around the world it led me to have a purpose and something to do while I traveled around the world, which was um, trying to volunteer. And so, yeah. And what are some of the places that you went? Some countries. Yeah. Um, you were so like really a, like a world traveler. Like <laughs> going back yeah. even into like your your old Instagram feed, like you went to a ton of places, more more than anybody I've ever known. Yeah. Uh, it, I just feel so lucky because my parents were so supportive at a young age to tell me to go. Like at 17, I graduated high school and my parents said, here's a ticket to Spain and a ticket out of France or sorry, out of Rome, Italy. Find your way, figure it out. Have a good time. See you in a month kind of thing. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that kind of set me off on this. I never stops after that. So I've been to 33 countries at this point or 34. I don't know, somewhere around there. That's cool. And um, yeah, in the last year and a half, I went to 16. So I was about halfway or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that support from my parents was so amazing because, and at that time, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we're just around the same age. So I'm 29. I turn 30 next month. And so at that point in time, when I first started traveling, there was no like apps, you know, I had a flip phone and my mom printed out on like MapQuest some hostels that I might like. And I had like a little, little n- notebook that, you know, and I had a journal that I wrote in and I didn't know. I mean, I was a stowaway on an Italian train. I slept on a park bench in France cause I got a lot like the stories from that adventure and like lack of having lack of technology made me feel like. I could go anywhere and now with the, you know, that's part of my YouTube channel and why I do the travel tips is because it's so freaking easy to travel. Even when I was 17, when I started, it was significantly more difficult. Like now you can pull up hostel world app and freaking book an a-, a hostel somewhere, book plane tickets, hop in an Uber in like the most ridiculous places and get to that. Pl- and you're good to go. Like, when I went to Spain the first time, I showed up at my hostel in the middle of World Cup and in the middle of high season. And they're like, there's no way you're going to find a hostel in all of Europe for the next month. And I'm like, oh, good. Cool. Which, well, which also led to me sleeping on a park bench at one point. But, you know, it's just that 
that would never happen now because no one would show up to a place. I mean, even, I mean, I still show up to most places without (laughs) things booked, but I think I'm a rare, a rarity. Like I don't like the fancy pantsy things. I much prefer to sleep, you know, somewhere and spend my time on experiences and whatnot. So, but yeah, it's just a different thing. And it changed my life. My parents changed my life with that one gift. And I'm, so so thankful for that you know yeah it's a really really i think terrifying thing having a kid of my own to go hey like you are 17 years old go out into the big scary world and uh hopefully we see you in a month yeah <laughs> i you know what's cr- and at that point too you know there was no skype there like let's see this would be 2006 so there was no like real means of communication. We would call from like collect pay phones or like hostile phones. And my parents, I think I maybe talked to my parents for like two times that entire, I mean, via email we'd send, I'd send an email being like, I'm alive. Like that's what I would send, you know, but had my parents seen, I think had my parents seen what was going on. I mean, I went with one friend, my friend, Eric and, um, had my friends seen what was going on, what we were up to, I think they would have questioned whether or not they would resend me. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was honestly the best. It set my change and that set my life and then and then going to Uganda experiencing that that changed my life. I mean this is a tangent story, but it's around travel, so I think it's it's just a cool story. But before I went on that Uganda trip, or sorry, before I went to, to Rwanda to do the consulting abroad through my school. I went with my friend Rob and we went to Uganda and we, our goal was to go raft the Nile river. Like it's like class five rapids go raft the Nile river. So we were like, let's do it, man. So we decided we were going to take every type of public, um, public transportation to get there. So we took like a tuk tuk, we took motorcycles, we took public buses and we were like the only it was like the most ridiculous um, experience ever. We get to the, we do the Nile River, amazing, amazing trip, so much fun. Get to the end of it, they have this huge buffet, food, tons of food, right? And I'm eating there, and this little kid walks by, like in no shirt, dirty, dirty, tattered pants that are cut to kind of like shorts. He's tiny, carrying this jerry can that's like as big as him. Jerry cans are those yellow cans you see on most like charity water or whatever those those types of things. he's carrying one of those down to the now river and he scoops the water and he walks by and they're like don't feed him because then he'll keep coming back and that tweaked me like the wrong kind of way yeah it just sounded like a freaking like wild a bird <laughs> cat or like yeah. a dog like a stray dog and i I got really mad. Like I didn't say anything in that moment to the person who said it because he was also Ugandan and I, you know, culturally wasn't sure what that was about. So I just took my plate of food and I said I had to go to the bathroom and I scurried around the corner and just gave the kid some food and just inter- he was so scared of me and it was that interaction like stuck with me for a super freaking long time. And that's one of the reasons why I started Jonas, but it also like set me on this path to say that I just was, I felt so privileged in the world and I wanted to find a way to take advantage of my privilege in a way that is 
meaningful, you know? That's killer. That's that's awesome that you like know and have a pivotal moment of oh yeah that when that changed, you started I mean, your journey. Yeah, that changed my life there. And I mean, this is kind of something I always live by. And people say, you know, um, like I feel privileged. I'm a privileged person. I grew up in New England. Like it's a very wealthy area. I, my parents always supported me. Like I said, I went to private schools. I went to college and all this stuff. So I feel wicked privileged and a lot of people have like this privilege guilt kind of thing. And I don't, because I feel like if you have privilege, you, the best way to make you feel like you can contribute is to use that privilege as, as a foundation to do awesome things. Like the way I look at it is like, there's this huge ladder of privilege, right? And I'm like, I'm at the top and I continuously like jump off and fall into my safety net, which is my foundation of my family. And then and that falling off is me failing or me trying something new. And then I get back on the ladder and I climb all the way back up my privilege ladder because I have the opportunity that my parents let me back in their house. I go get a job for my college education. I save up the money and then I try to find a new cool way to give it all away. And I jump off again and I just keep doing that. And to me, that's using privilege in the right way. So I don't ever have this guilt of, you know, I, I have all these things and, and everyone else around me hasn't had the same opportunities. That's really cool. I like the I like the analogy. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about YouTube. Let's uh, let's transition into you making videos. Um, yeah. So I I only met you maybe was it two months ago at this point. Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half months ago, which is insane. And I feel like our relationship's on like an accelerated path. It is actually. I'm thinking about. <laughs> I'm thinking about clearing out our second room so you and your girlfriend can move in with my wife and my baby myself. Like we can be a big uh, family hostel. It'll be cool. Yes, I'm in. But it's funny how uh, we connected over um, a movement. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you kind of discuss it because I'm also interested in in hearing your your thoughts and opinions about about it it's startup and uh and where it is and where it's going and what it's about and everything else but um yeah let's let's how how has the i'll I'll just say it how has the hashtag no small creator movement impacted you uh as a creator and self-proclaimed full-time youtuber (laughs) (laughs) uh well yeah i mean i think the most the biggest impact has been i like you, like a friend, you know, like having friends and making friends who also are doing the same thing. I think YouTube can be this very isolating thing when it's so strange because it's such a big community of people, but it can be so isolating because like you're recording, creating a story, editing, going to sleep, editing, (laughs) submitting, uploading, start all over. Mm Mm-hmm. And you get like 10 views, you know, and you're, you're getting no interaction and you're not getting any feedback. And like it, it can be this like mind numbingly scary sort of lonely experience. And No Small Creator for me was realizing that I'm not alone. And it gave me the it's it let me see the potential of what YouTube could be for everyone, you yeah. know, and, and it made me more on board with YouTube as a platform because it now allowed me to interact with people. And that's like, I think that's what Cody, the founder 
was looking for was just support and just create that. And, you know, it's, it's changed over the last, as we've added more people and it does sometimes have this sort of self-serving, Oh, look at my video thing. But at the core of it, I still, I think the I, right I people look, are still in it too for it. Yeah. To be and in I still right look direction. for genuine connections. You know, yeah. I still look for those genuine connections and I, and you find them. I mean, if at the end of the day, you know, no small creator and that whole Facebook group and the discord and the Twitter and the da 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 all went away. Like I still have made like a few friends that I don't think I'll, I mean, one is you, but a few other people who I don't think I'll ever stop talking to or interacting with on the internet, you know? And so I think that that is what it's been for me. It just showed me the potential of YouTube. Yeah. It's really cool. Like it, 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 that same thing for me. It showed me like the pinnacle, like, like I am no different than anybody else watching or creating. And uh, right. that kind of hit me like like really close to home because it was like you said, it's one of those things you put your heart and soul into these things. And sometimes the um, the reward of people watching or enjoying or connecting, it just feels like it's never it's never there. It's not enough. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I can totally get on board with that. Yeah, and I was in a super down place in my YouTube quote unquote career. You know, I had done dailies for so long and then I had done like monthlies and then I did some wedding videos for friends and then I was came back and I was like, I'll just make a ton of YouTube videos. And I really wasn't really motivated to do it. I was watching a lot of content more than I was creating content. And then I saw Peter's video and Cody was there and then I kind of checked it out. And then all of a sudden, I think you were one of the first people I tweeted at. Um, and it just after that, I started uploading twice a week and I'm feeling much more motivated to go out and like make this video thing a career. And I've had more opportunities in the last few weeks. And, you know, it's just been, it's kind of give, it gave it like, it showed me the light that I can actually do this and that, you know, there are other people out there who support it and I'm not alone. Like, you know, like I guess that's the main thing, just not feeling alone because like you said, you go and ask someone, someone asks you, what do you do? And you say, I make YouTube videos. And they're like, cool. So what do you do? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> so to call somebody and be like, and them, like when I call you and you know exactly how I'm feeling and what I'm talking about when someone has been on your video for 10 seconds and they smash a down like button and what that does for you because you just spent half a week or sometimes longer a week know, creating content and they spent all of five seconds to say this isn't worthy and that stuff crushes you man so it's nice to call somebody and and then joke around and be like yeah but it means nothing so let's keep it moving you know so that's what it did for me i love i love being able to yeah and having like a camaraderie around and it's funny because i'm in the same boat where i've i've just recently started going like i make videos online like i'm a youtuber and when we first started talking i was like yo watched your video this morning I was like, yeah, I uploaded at 11 o'clock at night and then we talk analytics and there's something just super, I don't know, like leveling about it because you're on the same, they're on the same page as me where like that's yeah. work talk. Like, I don't know what it is. I haven't had work talk in a long time because yeah, I, feel like I left the my, water cooler. Exactly. And I'm <laughs> all about it. I, there's something, uh, there's something really cool about having like that, that business camaraderie around like creating. I don't know. I yeah. never would have thought that I would have it. So I'm kind of, I'm kind it, of it gets me, it gets me like, I, I, we talked about this jokingly the other day, but the idea of having like a physical space where you can have a bunch of creators in one spot and have this like in person, 
would be just so fantastic. We should make like an all inclusive place and then call it three, six, eight, but like not do anything with it for like two years. Oh my goodness. Shots fired. No, I'm just kidding. He's not going to listen to this. (laughs) No, he's definitely not. He's definitely not. Definitely not now. No, no. I just lost a fan. He's gonna be the next. He's gonna be the next big YouTuber to mean tweet me. And, and Tom and Tom knows. Tom knows that I'm like the biggest Casey fanboy, so he knows that one cut deep. Oh, actually, it's funny you bring that up. So uh, I thought of you the other day when he released his Sean Mendez doc. Dude, I loved it. It's unbelievable. It's but but I do want to give credit to Zachary Tritz. Yeah, and I tweeted about this, but he was the second cameraman with Casey or maybe the first, who knows? And he's on like the music design, the editing. He, if you look at those credits and I tried to find this guy on, guy on Twitter so that I could be like, Hey man, I, you murdered it. And I know Casey's like the big name in this situation. And he pulled in all the views and so did Sean because Sean's like even bigger than he's got Casey. Like 15 million like, subs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean started as a, you know, I mean, she saw the doc. YouTuber. But, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it's just insane to me. And, but he, but that guy, Zach, would just murdered it. Like, I want to find him, man, but I couldn't. I found him on IMDb. He's done some other stuff. You should just hit up Casey. I'm serious. Like, you should reach out to Casey and be like, do a great job with this, but I want to know what's Zach's Twitter or contact because I want to congratulate him as well. And I think it's funny. I, um, I just started going through Peter McKinnon's videos, his newer videos, where Mm. we're still in a space where when we create and people take the time to comment, you will respond and like and heart everything just because out of out of pure appreciation for people taking the time out of their day uh, to watch your video to to know I talked about this in the beginning. I talked about this at the end. So, you know, like there's there's interest there. And that's like I try to. If I'm going to write a comment, I want people to know, like, I wasn't just here for a second. Like, I appreciate all the little things and nuances of your video. Yeah. And I feel like it goes a long way when commenting. Um, And it's funny. At the point where I started reading Peter's comments on his page, he would go through, and I'm assuming he reads every one because he would – he would like and comment back to some of, like, the lesser-known obscure comments – Right, so then he has to have, like, at least searched through. Yeah, he definitely scrolls. And I'm not going to lie. He was going probably, like, at least three or four pages back going through Mm -hmm. these comments that would have no or, like, two likes. It was insane. So it's not like he's only seeing, like, those top four that are, like, yo, Dope Squad sign is hashtag Dope Squad. You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to like that. I'm going to heart that and be like, yeah, it is. Hashtag Dope. Yeah. You know, so – yeah, but uh, no. I, I mean, I've considered. I, I, yeah. I just wanted to say that I did notice it, and I, you know, what's crazy is, as someone who makes videos now, I'm sure you can relate to this, but like when I watch films, movies, blockbuster movies, in indie films, whatever, I have a completely different lens that I look at it now. You know, I'm looking at watch the sound design. I'm looking at, you know, the transitions. I'm paying attention to the credits. Like I sit through the credits now because I'm like, I need to pay respect to the people who put in the effort here, yeah. you know? And that's things I never did before. And, and Brie, Brie, my girlfriend will be like, are, why are we, are, should I just sit there kind of looking like, why do we sit through the credits? I'm like, oh, I'm just paying attention to see if I notice any, like someone who's sure. 
killing it. And I, I'm, I'm sure so many people bounce on the credits of the Sean Mendes. Um, I, I'd love to see that retention, but I guarantee that so many people bounced once the credits started rolling. And I kind of expected Casey to do credits like with old videos. You know how they blasted all the home videos and stuff. Yeah. I kind of expected him to have like small squares to of keep Sean, the retention to keep the yeah to keep yeah of him singing and like different covers and like old home videos. That's of why Sean you should have been a producer. Around. You could have been the producer, man. You could I have been just a- done the credits. I would have <laughs> just done the credits. <laughs> That's good. Um, um, but yeah, I, I kind of expected that, and it didn't. And but I did see Zach, and he he killed it. And I was like, who is this guy? He's not on Twitter anywhere. Like even big, he won an Emmy for something. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? at, at some point, because I, I started googling it, he he won some award somewhere. Uh, which this is completely like obscure. But anyway, they tweeted about it, and they didn't tag him because I don't think he has a Twitter. That's cool. He's off the he's off the books. That's it, off the grid, baby. Um, so let's um. Let's do like a let's do like a wrap up, and I'll, I'll keep it really broad. Um, what is the future of Josh Pavano? Oh my god! I know, man. I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I just I, I had this question in an interview the other day. Like, what do you see yourself in three to five years? And it's like, man, I have a hard time seeing myself what I'm doing tomorrow. tomorrow. But <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, I, I just want to keep creating, and I also want to figure out better ways to give back now that I'm home. Like. I want to give back more locally and part of me has thought about just doing more work with local nonprofits for their media stuff and just try to create more awareness around that and also continue to create. Like I love creating. I want to keep doing YouTube, obviously. Like I want to, um, I love the platform. I love creating. I love creating that sort of stuff and I like giving back through the travel tips and I like creating stories and, so I think, yeah, I mean, I hopefully will continue to create videos, but also find a way to incorporate that 50% of the Jonas Umbrellas that I loved, which is the give back. And how I do that, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I've done it here and there, but I want a more concrete, like, this is what I'm doing, you know? And I think that'll come in time as I become more confident with my video and able, my storytelling abilities and how I can make an impact for people. Sure. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, I'm honored to say that I have a feeling. I, I don't know if that that's a terrible sentence. I think <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I hope that I'm around to see you continue to thrive in uh, in the space and whatever else you do, and then speak at your wedding. I mean, that's another thing <laughs> I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> well, seriously, thank you for having me on the podcast. You make ridiculously high quality podcast products and i i mean i listened to the intro and i was like well this dude he's a serious dude he's a serious podcaster and i didn't expect it to be so i've been doing it for so done. long man i've been doing it i for know so but long. you're you're a pro man you're a serious pro and um and I, yeah and also i felt like i rambled so definitely cut it up so that i don't No, like this was great conceited. this was i wanted phenomenal. it to be more of a conversation but then you asked me to tell my story and it's so but i like I, that I, that's what to, it's about man that's why like yeah. i want people to know like I, can I tell you if somebody listens to this all the way through, they'll be like, "Oh, like th- I admire this guy too now." And I'm gonna, I'm gonna search. <laughs> I jo- can I tell you this is gonna launch Jonas Umbrellas? Like this is it, man. You, that price point better be seventy five dollars by the end of this show. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pump You're, it, pump it. That's right. Uganda's just gonna be. It's gonna be so many wells.com. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs>
Uh, Josh, tell everybody where they can find you on every platform um, that you want to plug in. Yeah, so you can find me on all platforms. Um, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and Snapchat as well. I'm not as much of a Snapchatter, so let's just go with Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Josh Pavano. So J-O-S-H-P-A-V-A-N-O. And yeah, it's that's I mean, Instagram is the one that I'm the most interactive with, I think. I mean, definitely YouTube now. So definitely go check that out. It's just youtube.com backslash Josh Pavano. But yeah, I respond to everything. Like you said, I just get super excited. So I will respond to your comments and your DMs. So just if you have questions or you want to say hi or you want to work together, you want to be my friend. I'm always that. looking for friends. <laughs> I know you are. I love it, though. I, you're super open about it. And I, I think that's one of those things that because you were, it made it really easy for me to just go, yeah, I like this guy. Like, he's cool. And like, <laughs> hung I'll, out. I'll throw him a bone. He needs a friend. The second time we hung out, I was like, do you want to just come to my house? Like, <laughs> there's... <laughs> We're getting yeah. along pretty well. Just don't like, uh, don't come and like stab me or something weird, <laughs> please. I, I would never. Gail, Gail shows up. She's like, "Oh, you're here." It's I like, totally yes. steamroll her. I was like, "Hey, this is a stranger you've never met." He's sorry, uh, <laughs> Gail. I felt so bad because I thought you had mentioned that I was coming no. over, and then she was just. She showed up, and her face was a little terrified, like yeah. that, like you had let a Jehovah's Witness into <laughs> your house. Not that I have anything against Jehovah's Witness. I, I oh man, like you gotta that, go smash on Jehovah's Witness right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to episode two of Coffee Hour with Tom DeSico featuring Josh Pavano. Uh, if you guys like, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, and um, there will be another episode next week. Hope to see you guys then. Peace.